la lluvia cae El río nos guía La lluvia cae El río nos guía La lluvia cae
persuasion i'm your host amanda starling here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism diy and of course the music i hope everyone has had a solid week i had a blast hanging out with future teens at their show in tampa where i was able to not only meet my friends in person but also get to chat about the opportunities ahead for this really gifted band and all the conversations that they're having with people about their experiences on the road Talking to Amy in particular really stirred up some thoughts in me about like how we're seen in music and the things we're doing to push opportunity forward for others. In fact, that's a conversation I've had a lot lately, especially around representation. I know for me, I've been thinking a lot about narrative and how the stories of marginalized voices are told and how we are often portrayed across the news, comics, movies, TV shows, and so on. Like, we're often disappointed by the portrayal of women whenever their stories aren't being told by women. Looking at you, fantasy and science fiction. Yikes. Uh, But that's also something that we run into a lot in media, too. We get a flavor of an experience rather than what's real and what's meaningful for people of color, LGBTQIA, and women. The result is often lackluster storytelling when we're defined by stereotypes and what others have defined as cultural norms, from our appearances to our personalities and cultures. And there's consequences for that. We end up with a warped view of what our bodies should look like, the way that we should integrate, and so on. It's it's a fucking mess. <laughs> and we're only seen through the lens of the person who thinks they've captured us, who thinks they've defined us. We're all left disappointed then, and when we explain how to society, we're still misunderstood. But when we're sharing our stories directly, when we're in control, it's powerful, impactful, and frankly sells mightier than any crafted imagination of who we could be. Instead, the story is who we are on our terms. When we take control of our stories and the power structures enable us that our storytelling is shared with the kind of allies that back our stories, an audience walks away feeling like they're empowered, they've experienced something fresh, and often they're motivated to help. And I felt that deeply with my guests this week too, and that's activist Taina Asili. Taina has taken her story as her own, and not only that, but uplifted the voices of others 
with her record Resiliencia. It's a collection of stories of women of color and other marginalized voices woven with Taina's narrative with the hope of bringing both art and knowledge together. Her work is pure mastery of songwriting. And we were able to chat about this, navigating connectivity with our cultures, her roots in music, and so much more. So with that, let's turn it over to Taina's music and get into the interview. It is not to find me. No my love. No my you 
Well, welcome, Diana, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. It is so awesome to meet you. Um, I started following actually shortly after Evan Greer introduced me to your music, and I've been a fan ever since. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And I love Evan. I'm so grateful that she brought us together. Absolutely. Gosh, she's amazing. I was floored by meeting her and she immediately was like, hey, you need to check out Diana. You're going to really love what she's doing. I'm like, you are absolutely right. I am a huge fan now and I'm so grateful. So it's just feels like just another branch off into this really great opportunity to get to meet you. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I want to just kind of jump into all these questions that I have for you because you have such an extensive career. Um, you've done so much with your music. You you've have experience from punk to a little bit of opera training all the way up to activist songwriting. But I kind of want to get into a little bit of the beginning. What kind of drew you into your passion for music? Well, I started out in a family that had a pretty strong musical base. So um, my father was a Latin jazz conductor and a conguero and a singer. And my mother was a beautiful dancer. And they were both, um, you know, people from musical families themselves. So my father has uncles that were musicians. His mother was a beautiful singer. My grandmother on my mother's side was a poet. So it's like, it just runs in the blood. And um, I also like to think of my music as part of that Puerto Rican legacy of, of music and resistance, you know, that runs very strong and very deep in our culture. And that's, you know, really what was passed on to me. So my parents, you know, passed on that legacy and that tradition through the music that moved all over our house, you know, whether it was like the salsa or the, uh, the jazz music or um, also doo-wop was big uh, in our household growing up. So that, that's really where my roots began. But as a young child, I started to get an interest myself in singing. And what I had access to when I was younger was like musical theater and eventually opera. So at the age of 14, I started training in opera singing as well. That's so neat to have that much exposure to so many styles of music because you're, the style that you have now blends together so many great genres, if you will, like Afro-Latin to reggae to pop. And even like, I feel like there's almost like the dashes like ska where it kind of blends in everything together. Um, you've cultivated a really unique sound. Um, was that something that was built up over time or do you kind of address it from song to song? I think it was something that came along in the journey. You know, I've moved through a lot of different phases of my life and my music has always reflected that. So, you know, as I said, I trained in opera, but um, at, as a teenager, I got into punk rock 
And yeah. that became my passion, my rebellion. And it really made sense for that time of my life to just like rage out super hard on the mic and express all of the, um, you know, the experiences that I had to grow up with and endure in terms of like the racism, the sexism, the homophobia that I had endured my whole life and just like release it, you know, and um, find community and connection through that experience. But, you know, I think as we get older, sometimes we realize that our roots are so important and where we come from is really important part of who we are. And, you know, for myself, I had to come back to that through the arts. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I would say about, uh, I'm going to say around 15 years ago, I started to really blend, you know, take steps towards blending that back into my life. And um, this current musical project that I've been doing for about, well, since 2006 has been a blend of all of that. And I would say that, um, you know, what I do now, it certainly has like the Afro-Latin roots, you know, fusion, you know, that's certainly an influence for my upbringing and that punk rock rage rebellion that I think will never leave me. Um, and of course, you know, hip hop and reggae and all these other art forms that have always been influential to my life. But for me, um, I have, I see all of those pieces, those art forms. I also trained in flamenco. I lived in Spain for a period of time and studied flamenco singing at a conservatory there. Um, so I have, you know, all these pieces. For me, it's like paint to paint with, you know, it's like a palette. And mm -hmm. I use that palette to um, paint the picture that my spirit seeks to create. You know what I mean? So it is a little bit song to song and inspiration to inspiration. So if I have a message in my heart or a feeling that I want to create in my art form that is music, I have this beautiful palette of rhythms and musical styles to paint with. Absolutely. It's gorgeous what you create too. And you draw from so many aspects of the passions that you've cultivated over the years for different styles of music, as well as the messages that matter the most to you. Um, you kind of, that's one of the things that I had fun exploring with your music. Cause I went and I was able to track down some of the music from like anti-product and being able to kind of explore how you've kind of shifted from that to La Banda Rebelde and all the way up to now this record with Resilencia. Um, it's just amazing that you've had this trajectory with your career and developing your sound. What made you decide that it was time for you to kind of dip back into more of your roots? I think that um, that time really came um, when my parents passed away, actually. Okay. So um, in my first album I created was uh, really a dirge. My parents died within a year and a half of each other. Um, my father died of cancer. My mother died during a transplant. And they were both obviously hugely influential in my life and I realized when I lost them how important the gifts that they gave me in music were and I wanted to honor them with that so my first album War Cry is really a dirge to them it was really an album that I created in honor of them and I started writing that album um, when I was a graduate student at Goddard College, I studied transformative language arts and I wrote that album during that time period. So you'll hear 
you know, a lot of references to ancestors in my music, not just in that album, still to this day. Absolutely. Um, you'll, you'll hear a lot of references to, you know, really honoring our roots and tradition. It's because of them, you know, I think that their spirit really lives within me in my music that I create today. And um, it's, it's like how I carry my people with me. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's, it's so true because I feel like maybe that's part of why your music is so powerful in that sense is like you carry that with you. And I'm sure your parents are very proud of what you've accomplished and how you've honored their voices and uh, their impact on you. I think so. I think so. And certainly my family, um, you know, my extended family really love the music and they often say to me like, oh my goodness, if your mom was here today. But, you know, I carry my mom and my dad and my voice. You know, my father was not just a singer, but he was also, both of my parents were um, really important people in the Latinx community of upstate New York. And they were people that really wanted to honor um, our roots, but also to fight for uh, justice and for liberation of our people. And, um, you know, my father used to tell me stories about seeing Malcolm X speak in East Harlem when he was wow. growing up, you know, right on the street. My parents were influenced by the Young Lords and the Black Panthers when they were growing up. And they founded um, in their youth, uh, the Latin American Student Union at a college, at a state college here in upstate New York. Um, I, interestingly, it was the same college that I went to and, and became part of that same student union. But, you know, a lot of young people don't realize that these Latin American student unions, um, uh, you know, the, the women's centers, uh, you know, queer student unions, etc. These are all born out of protests, out of liberation movements, you know, like these were uh, organizations like student led movements where people died, where people were arrested, where people gave like really, really a lot of themselves to create, you know. So my parents were part of that generation. And, you know, though my, what I struggle with today is different from them mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways. What I do, I think, is an extension of that work as well. Absolutely, because you've taken the torch at this point and you are continuing and honoring their work in that sense and trying to push it to the next step, which, of course, that's what the previous generation wanted. They wanted the next generation to just keep pushing harder and harder. So it's really special that you have that connection to where that is just the next level. Are you often motivated by the history of what your parents have told you? I'm definitely motivated motivated. I'm definitely motivated by that history. And I also um, am motivated by the social justice movements that I'm a part of today. Definitely my parents' history has motivated my activism. And I'm also a part of social movements today that really give me a lot of inspiration. Um, my work has mostly been in the movement to end mass incarceration and state violence. And that really comes from my own family's experience as well. Um, you know, my father is formerly incarcerated and, um, you know, this has been something that has intimately affected our lives, you know? So it's something that I feel connected to and passionate about. I also moved into movements that my parents weren't a part of. So thinking about like climate justice, you know, that was something that my parents didn't think of, but, you know, they did instill that in me as well in the sense that my parents, even though they grew up in New York City in a very urban environment, 
my parents and my grandparents both they all had this like sense of love for nature. You know, they had this sense of love for and honoring um, nature and life. And so they instilled that in me as well. So, so the climate justice movements that I've been a part of and also feminist movements that I've been a part of that came out of my punk scene days and have moved into the work that I do today. Um, you know, that also has been um, an important influencer in my music and the work that I do today. In particular, um, this new album, Resiliencia, which speaks to uh, women of color stories of resilience. And, um, you know, this is a new project that I've embarked on that is um, taken over my life in all kinds of good and amazing ways and um, is very much a part of the social justice movements that I've come out of as well. I really love what you've done with Resiliencia. It's beautiful because you're not only writing these incredible songs about women of color, but you're also taking them and visualizing them with these documentary clips. And it's a really fully fleshed out project that you have going. But I kind of want to step back a little bit to the record itself too, of course. How did you approach writing this? And um, how did you approach just the songwriting itself? Well, I started by uh, interviewing women of color in my community. Um, I started with five women of color, interviewing them about their stories of resilience. And it came out of a, a residency that I did at an art center here in my community. Oh, wow. But it was really um, something that had been sitting on my heart since um, I released my single, No Es Mi Presidente. Mm -hmm. um, I had uh, released this video that went along with the single and it featured all of these amazing people in my community. They were real activists. They were our real activists for my community. And they had these beautiful stories and um, teachings. And I wanted to lift those stories up. And so I created a blog post that featured all of the different activists and told their stories a little bit. But I was like, wow, I want the world to really know these stories. And that's where I kind of came up with the idea of um, interviewing folks and then composing songs based on those stories. So the first women that I interviewed were um, women that were local, that were a part of like the social justice movements that I'm a part of here. Mm -hmm. um, some of those stories included um, my dear friend Jackie, who's a survivor of breast cancer my uh, dear friend Sophia, who speaks about her uh, reclamation of her beauty and love of her body. Um, I spoke with my dear friend Paula, who's a Puerto Rican trans woman and professional wrestler and her reclamation of her identity and her passion and love. Um, so, you know, it's, it, there's like all these beautiful stories within my local community. Um, but I also took that and went abroad. So I went to other parts of the United States, to Providence, Rhode Island, to um, out to Santa Rosa, California, um, gathering stories about immigration, gathering stories um, about, uh, you know, various types of liberation, you know, different things that people have gone through. And then I decided to go to Puerto Rico um, shortly after Hurricanes Irma Maria hit mm -hmm. and document what was happening there. And it was really there that I started to understand what 
the importance of this album was really about. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I decided to create the song Resiliencia. Mm -hmm. And uh, that ended up becoming the title track of this album. Because in Puerto Rico, as you probably remember, mm -hmm. there was um, at that time, so we're talking like four months after, after Hurricanes Irma Maria hit, um, there's no electricity, there's no running water, you know, food scarcity, uh, medicine scarcity, lack of health care, people are dying. Um, you know, it is a really dangerous time in Puerto Rico, and it still continues to be a very difficult time in Puerto Rico. But in this particular moment, people were liter living in literal and figurative darkness. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was my conversation with a woman by the name of Yasmin Hernandez in Moca, Puerto Rico, who really spoke to the heart of what resilience means to me. Mm -hmm. um, it was her words about bioluminescence. So in Puerto Rico, we have these beautiful bioluminescent bays mm -hmm. where, um, you know, the, the algae light up the water at night with this glowing, you know, sparkling, uh, you know, body of water. And um, we have these insects that are called cucubanos, which are like lightning bugs, and they glow. And so there's this like theme of bioluminescence in Puerto Rico. And she said to me, you know, it's, it's when we're living, living in darkness, when all resources have been taken away from us, and we're left with nothing. It's only then that we're able to see that light, that beauty that lies within, that, that strength, that power that we have always known, you know? So, you know, that to me really said a lot because in Puerto Rico, as people were suffering, as people were struggling, you know, I also witnessed um, people building solar villages, people uh, starting new and powerful agricultural movements, people, um, you know, feeding one another and, and using, um, different types of uh, holistic health care and sh sharing resources and supporting one another in all the ways. And, you know, that to me is this resilience, this beautiful resilience. Um, so I decided to name the album after that song that I wrote from that experience there. And um, I really see this as an offering to um, our communities of resistance, our communities that are really struggling in these dark and difficult times, you know, to really see the beauty of our inner light in this moment and allow it to shine and all the tools and the wisdom that reside within us and all around us um, for healing and justice. Absolutely. And I think that's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, Yasmin's story just was just incredible and powerful. And the way that she told it, I could tell that she was comfortable talking to you and sharing her experience and her passion for, um, seeing the opportunity within the situation that she and so many others in Puerto Rico are forced to live through and such was just, it's admirable, it's motivating for the struggles that you have, whether it's socially or in the wake of destruction, um, being in Florida, I'm used to the hurricanes and stuff, but never are we impacted as severely as what happened to Puerto Rico and stuff. So it's important to hear the stories of somebody who can really just fight through these experiences and see opportunity. And I love that that was like a theme throughout so much of 
the songs on the record as well as um, the different videos that you had. I really loved the Soul Fire Farm one as well, where you had um, the video for Plant the Seed. It was gorgeously done, first of all, visually, and also the fact that you were able to um, tell the story of reclaiming an experience through, um, through I believe it was Leah, right? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. I loved her message, and I loved that um, there was this effort to reclaim what was previously something that maybe people of color definitely shrug away from and stuff, whether it's like reclaiming the land or the connection to it because of the fact that people were abused in the times that they were connected to the land and such. So I thought, I thought it was powerful that you were able to kind of take this story and transform it with the music too. What was it like for you to kind of approach it from this angle? Well, it was new and different, which is always exciting. You know, as an artist, we want to continue to push ourselves and push our boundaries. So moving into creating documentaries was like, you know, it's been a beautiful and uh, a journey and a learning curve, you know. Um, but getting to listen to these stories, so you mentioned Leah and Plant the Seed. You know, Leah is my best friend, Black food justice farmer extraordinaire. And she's been in my life for over 10 years. But getting to sit with her and really do that deep listening and witnessing of her story, mm -hmm. I learned so much. And every time that I went back to that interview, as I took notes and started to contemplate what this song would be, I learned a lot, you know, and as I sing that song, even today, I learn a lot. You know, I think that as artists, we, we continue to look at our art or, or listen to our art, you know, in whatever way that we create it and learn from it. And, um, that's definitely what I felt through this process of editing and songwriting and, uh, you know, our listeners, maybe even you might not know this, but I also created drawings to go with each one of these songs. So, oh, really? Yeah, so uh, Leah has a drawing and most, I should say most, most of the songs have a drawing that goes with them. So as I was reading, uh, I'm sorry, as I was writing these songs and listening to the video, I'm also drawing and creating imagery, you know, as another way of kind of like moving my creative juices and getting them flowing um, and just thinking about these concepts in a visual way, you know, which just like pushes your mind in a different perspective. So, you know, there's teachings, you know, Leah's song, Plant the Seed, it's about food justice, obviously, you know, it's about uh, fighting against racism and injustice in the food system. It's about food sovereignty. Mm -hmm. It's about reclamation of land, but there's also a story, as you witnessed in the interview that I did with Leah in that documentary, of really um, being who we are, you know, being, uh, finding the courage to really step into who we're, we're meant to be and who we want to be. And that's not always easy to do, you know. And so even though I'm not a food justice farmer in the same way Leah is, um, I am a person that seeks to step into that place of being fully who I am and using all of my creative energy and intellect to um, offer to this world. And it's, you know, it takes a lot of creativity and courage to make that happen. So I think that song and that video is also for people who are working on trying to step into that place of power. 
And, um, you know, I learned so much from that as well. Absolutely. I, I thought that that was just so motivating to see that she took, a, she took a step back from the career that she had at the time and decided that this was her passion. This is what mattered to her. And she was going to find a way to make it work. And that was just so inspiring that she put in that effort. And then here it was, the, it, all these years and all this, these connections that now clearly exist with Soul Fire Farm. It's just amazing what she's accomplished. And to share that messaging through your music, through the video and everything I hope that more and more people learn about Soul Fire Farm for that reason. I hope so too. You know, I am uh, right now, I'm the president of the board of Soul Fire Farm. So there is definitely like a little, you know, ulterior motive uh, <laughs> happening there to spread the word about what's going on on the farm and our organization and really to keep that uh, word going far and wide as as you might know, Leah came out with a book called Farming While Black in the yeah. midst of me creating this video. So part of me releasing it at the time that I did is about spreading the word about her incredible new book and, you know, this profound work and this movement. And it's not just Soul Fire Farm. I mean, uh, the, the movement for uh, Black, you know, and Indigenous land reclamation is, mm -hmm. um, you know, is far and wide and growing. and uh, runs deep. So, um, you know, it's also about lifting that movement up too, you know. Absolutely. That movement is crucial. And I learned so much about it through what you've produced. And then in turn, because I got excited about the movement, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go check out Soulfire Farm and check out the website. And I'm like, this is really cool. And now I want to like order Leah's book because this is just really interesting. And I'm like, I never knew anything about this perspective. And it's such a great tool to be able to educate the rest of us who are less familiar with those movements. So, you know, obviously thank you to Leah for starting this, this approach to the movement, but to you to communicating it too. And you do that so much, it seems like through all the songs that you have, whether it's, um, we have the direct videos, the documentaries that you have out now, but um, I feel like you're communicating a lot of these perspectives too. So like um, when I listen to things like Beating Manifested and Who I Am, I love those songs because it's a lot of self-exploration and embracing a lot of self. I feel like also as a person of color, it was really important to have that in the wake of like patriarchal values and like white power structures and such. So those songs were just so powerful. And I know you wrote from the perspective of other women of color too, but that was just so important for somebody like me to hear. Thank you. You know, it's what other folks' stories, but it's also my own, you know, like, um, definitely like, you know, Beauty Manifested, for example, that's my dear friend Sophia's song. Um, but I relate to that song, you know, I, that my words are in there. I have to be in there because I can't sing it authentically if I'm not in there. I can't write it authentically if I'm not in there. Um, so, you know, my, oh, the struggle to reclaim love for my body is, it may be a lifelong struggle. It may it's a be. constant struggle for sure. Yeah. And it's something that, um, you know, I'm a parent right now and I mm -hmm. see my children struggle with this same stuff that I went through um, growing up. And, you know, so for me, when I'm doing this work, I'm doing it for them. I'm doing this for the next generations because I know that our next generations are going to be dealing with body image, you know, these issues of not seeing our own beauty because of, you know, white patriarchal standards of beauty and not being able to really be fully in our own, you know, and this, 
you know, capitalist model that um, tells us that we're not enough, you know, in all the ways that we're not enough. Um, and then also my song, Even If, which, um, you know, is really a song about um, remembering that uh, sexual harassment and sexual violence are not my fault. Um, mm -hmm. That song really is my own. I mean, it comes from a several women's stories that I interviewed, but really, um, you know, I am somebody who has identified as a feminist for a long time. I have a degree in women's studies, you know, um, but even still, like just, you know, not that long ago, I was really struggling with um, a situation of um, sexual harassment and trying to really continue to remind myself that it's not my fault. And again, it's this, it's this struggle that I may have to work on for the rest of my life, you know, and the pain and the healing that I've endured for the many years that I've been on this planet and needing to continue to do that work. So that song is for myself as much as it is for other people who might need to hear that story and, and uh, hear that reminder that it's not their fault. Um, you know, it's just, this is work that, that takes a long time, that takes a lifetime to uh, heal. Absolutely. And it's, it's so disappointing whenever these really painful experiences are so universal because you don't want that for anyone, but it's very healing for listeners like myself to hear you discuss things like the harassment and um, the experiences that we do have as people of color. Um, it just, it made me feel like somebody understands the experience that I've had. And, um, I don't talk about this very often, but I, uh, I, I grew up with, uh, some Spanish in my life, not nearly as much as what I would have liked to have now that I look back on it as an adult and everything. But one of the things I really love about your music is it being bilingual. I felt like I could actually start to tap into a bit of my heritage again and connect to it in a way that I hadn't before. So I just wanted to thank you for that because mm. your music is beautiful. And I started to feel myself kind of connect with my heritage and my language again in a way that I hadn't in some time. And um, I'm sure some of it speaks to your experiences, the voices of the people that you speak to as well. But um was that at all part of your intention with some of the songwriting, making sure that those connections are there? It's definitely an intention. And, you know, I'm so glad that you shared that with me because, you know, I also don't talk about this enough, but, you know, I did grow up bilingual, but um, Spanish is definitely not my dominant language. I definitely mm -hmm. speak English as my dominant language. And it's something that I've had to continue to, you know, try to keep, you know, on my tongue and in my mind. Um, and I think that's the experience of a lot of Latinx folks that are especially have been in this in this uh, country, uh, you know, a few generations deep, you know, it's definitely it's something that is painful that the longer that we uh, live here, you know, for the many different reasons that we're here, you know, for my family, it was forced migration, you know, mm -hmm. so it was like colonization, colonialism, to a certain extent, and forced migration that um, I'm here, but here I am. And, you know, part of my work has also been about reclaiming my culture and my roots and my language mm -hmm. because it has been taken from me, you know, because I feel I felt so much pain as I've been disconnected from that. You know, I grew up Puerto Rican and I live in New York, but I grew up in upstate New York and upstate New York is not New York City. You know, upstate New York, um, there's not a lot of Puerto Ricans where I grew up. And um, 
not a lot of folks speaking Spanish. And, you know, for me, I wanted to do this work that I do in terms of like my music. Um, you know, I really made an intention to make it bilingual as my own reclamation of language, but it's not just Spanish and it's not just English. And, you know, some of my songs blend the two, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we're going one word to another, you know, as, as many of us Latinx folks often do, you know, and it, in that I'm healing my own pain of disconnection from culture and heritage. And, you know, I'll tell you when, when a Puerto Rican comes up to me and they say they're from like Puerto Rico, you know, directly born and raised, mm -hmm. and they tell me that they appreciate my music and love my music, I just like feel this huge sense of pride and gratitude because, you know, I've, I have carried with me such like this pain and almost like a guilt really mm -hmm. um, that has come from that disconnection. So it's, it's music is my way of healing that. And if it offers something to you on that journey of healing, all the more gratitude. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that because that's, I don't, I don't talk about it enough and it's so important to kind of start to reclaim and heal from that. And, uh, you know, I try to make an effort from time to time to like practice with my grandma here and there and like try to see if I could just test myself and like, I could start to feel myself starting to just, because I've always had the ear for Spanish, being able to understand it. I've always struggled with getting the words out and like practicing it on my tongue in that sense. And like just being able to feel like I could connect with the lyrics itself, like clearly and more and more clearly. I just was like, oh my gosh, I just feel like more connected. And it just was something that I didn't realize I needed. And that's why I was so grateful to hearing your music. So thank you for that, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and I also try to remember that like, you know, one of the reasons why I sing this work um, is because music, when, when lyrics hit the musical vibration, right? You know, speaking is an extension, it, or singing is an extension of speaking. So, yes. you know, we are speaking, but we're also singing. There's tones happening there. You know, there's musicality to our language, you know, and all different languages have different songs. So, you know, as we know, um, there's music and speaking, and we also know that those tones translate something else in there too. So even if like there's words that you and I might not understand in a language, we might feel something you know, especially when it's carried in music, you know, when it's carried in rhythm, when it's carried in melody, you hear more, you hear deeper. And, you know, I think that that's important for me as well, is like, you know, there's a lot of people who listen to my music, including Latinx people who don't speak Spanish. Yeah. And, you know, in that, I hope they still, and I think that they do feel and hear something even if they don't understand the words, because that music is speaking a language all its own, you know, and that's something that also comes from my culture, probably your cultures too, you know, yeah. I would imagine probably all cultures on this planet Earth, um, you know, this power of the music to speak to our spirits, to speak to our minds, to our spirits in a way that um, language in, you know, just in word form might not be able to do. You know. Absolutely. And that kind of connection is just so critical when it comes to art, when it comes to communication, every aspect of it. And one of the things I thought that was really neat is that I, I read that you do teach workshops on social justice and songwriting. 
which is really impactful and really important. Um, I'm wondering maybe what is one of the most critical lessons that you try to impart on the people that come to your workshops? Um, I do a lot of workshops on the power of music for social change. And, you know, I talk a lot about something similar to what I just said, which is that um, ever since oppression has existed, art, music has always existed alongside it as our tool for healing, um, as our tool for liberation. So, you know, I often look to my Puerto Rican roots, um, the roots of uh, bomba, Puerto Ricanya. So bomba descends from our Afro-Puerto Rican folklore tradition, our Afro-Taino folklore tradition. The Tainos are the native people of Puerto Rico who I was named after, Taina. And it was an art form, wasn't is an art form that was used during the time of slavery in Puerto Rico as a way to reclaim our humanity in the face of inhumanity as a way to reclaim our cultural and spiritual traditions and also as a time to organize slave revolts. And, you know, I speak to this in my music workshops a lot because I want people to understand, you know, when we're talking about what people often call protest songs today, you know, I really see as a part of that lineage you know as a part of this this lineage of using the music whether it's through African spirituals or through you know people um, using songs to fight against apartheid or people uh, you know native peoples of this land um, using traditional songs to um, to continue culture, tradition, and language forward when it was illegal to do so. You know, all of those different art movements, um, you know, the people that I encountered in Spain who used flamenco to, to continue to reclaim joy or to express pain when the Gitano people were experiencing discrimination, you know, everywhere on this planet, to the, the art forms that we have today, hip hop, and reggae and you know rock all of this it comes out of resistance it comes out of oppression it comes out of reclamation and liberation and um i guess that's what i try to impart upon people when they think about music and when they think about protest songs is this is this deep powerful and beautiful art form definitely and, it it's critical and to know the history of it and to um revere and respect it is crucial, especially when you're approaching these subject matters and stuff, is to know where this is coming from and who it's impacted along the way, and maybe in some ways um, how it can impact the future. You're a part of the history of that, um, that resistance and that approach to resistance. Definitely, definitely. And we all are. If you look back in your ancestry and mm -hmm. if, you know, our listeners look back in theirs, they're going to find examples of that too. You know, this legacy is all of ours. And, um, you know, a lot of people tell, you know, say to me, oh, you know, I'm not an artist. I'm not a musician. I'm not a singer. But I really believe that um, creativity is our human birthright. And, that we have to exercise our creativity. Um, 
you know, if we don't, I think that we are going to really find ourselves in a dangerous and toxic place. You know, I think that we need to be creative and it doesn't mean like we have to paint or we have to, you know, sing. Um, but when I say creativity, you know, uh, editing a podcast is creativity and, you know, uh, cooking is creativity and, um, you know, whatever way that you, you, you find to use your creative mind and your creative energy, um, is important, you know, especially in this day and age that we're living in right now, we need to use that part of our mind so that we can think about creative solutions to our world's problems. So, you know, creativity is so important and I believe it's all of ours. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what I talk about in my workshop. It's just like the power, the importance of creativity. Absolutely. And that value translates so much into the work that you do um, on a regular basis with like um, the, the concerts that you've done with like the standing against the TPP and being involved with like um, so many projects that really stand against the injustices that we're dealing with right now in this day and age, whether it was like your involvement with like the Women's March in DC and so many other projects. Um, what has it been like for you to connect with other people who want to take a stand on issues and to be able to take the perspectives that you know the best and share them with others? I, I really and truly love the work that I do because of that connection that I get to make, um, not just with audiences, but also with other artists <laughs> and other creatives. Um, you know, going on these tours, um, like Rock Against the TPP, um, have been amazing. You know, I get to connect with artists that are really far along in their careers, you know, that are doing, um, you know, some big work, have large audiences and learn from them and um, connect with them. And I also really love my grassroots artists and the artists that are really connected to social justice movements and are just coming out of that, you know, and the mutual exchange, like Evan Greer and I, you know, her and I, um, who we organized that tour, uh, the Rock yeah. Against the TV tour, we organized that together. You know, her and I both come out of making art you know, for and by um, the people, you know, for out of social justice movements. And we exchange, you know, her music is like really different from mine, you know, yeah. um, but I love it. And she loves mine. And we find these ways to be mutually supportive to one another and lift up each other's voices. And to me, that's definitely something that I got from the punk scene that mm -hmm. I continue on today. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just, it's, a beautiful thing to um, be able to tour the nation and to tour the world and connect with different communities and different movements. And then like, you know, it's like seed exchanges, you know, like I, in Soul Fire Farm, we do seed exchanges. Like we went to Oaxaca and we, and Leah did, you know, seed exchanges with the folks there brought the corn from Oaxaca and planted it on our farm. And, you know, now that corn grows and we, you know, move, pass it on and so on and so forth. That's kind of how I see the work that I do. It's like getting to exchange seeds um, and learn and bring that back, you know. So I go to California and see movements around uh, migration, you know, social justice moves around migration. And I see the way that art is folded into them, you know, these beautiful butterflies that they carry on their backs and, you know, the designs like Fabiano Rodriguez makes who, 
you know, is this amazing artist from the Bay Area. And I bring that back, that wisdom, and I fold it into my workshops and I fold it into our social justice movements here. Um, it's, it's just beautiful. I love it. That's just incredible that you're able to take this knowledge and these seeds and spread them to other people in that sense too. That's gonna to be a really special experience to be able to just be a part of sharing the ideas, whether it's your own or the ones that you get from others in this exchange, it's really special. Would you say that's one of the things that motivates you to continue to explore other areas of art as well as other voices to share in your music? Most definitely. Um, I love to continue learning and growing and, you know, getting to connect with other artists and getting to tour and speak with different communities and different audiences. It just pushes me to grow. And um, it's definitely something that I've always loved. So I've been doing this, as I said, I've been touring since I was like, I want to say like 17 and more or less, you know, uh, on the road. And, you know, it's just, oh, it's a, it's a beautiful experience. And um, it's something that I hope to manifest and grow and also grow in my art form. So, you know, I started doing documentary work and these documentaries are now exploding into whole series. So throughout the year, I'm going to be releasing music video documentaries throughout the year and um you know we've already won some awards from film festivals for the videos and ah oh, it's it's just like it's a beautiful journey and i hope to continue to do more of it you know absolutely what are some things that you want to accomplish this year i know you mentioned that you have these videos coming out but do you have any other projects that you're kind of excited about well, I'm going to be making these videos and then I also have a single coming out soon. So Ooh. I can't say exactly when, um, but my dear friend Claudia um, is, a, is a Peruvian singer from uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, she is uh, an amazing artist in her own right. And uh, her and I worked on a song together we both released albums recently and we decided to make this special song a single that um we're going to release soon and it's about um being it's it's uh, about being an immigrant and also being a part of the diaspora so she her and i have like these different but similar experiences um and so we kind of blended them together in this song and i'm super excited about that Wow, that sounds like a beautiful crossover and I can't wait for that to arrive. Um, you mentioned this collaboration. You've done so many others with people like Evan too, um, but I always like to ask my guests if you could pick any three musicians, bands, whoever you'd like to collaborate with. Um, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead. Who would you like to work with? Oh my goodness. I only can pick three? Yeah, that's okay. it. <laughs> well I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick three that are alive because I'm gonna set this intention and hope that someday they'll hear this and uh, want to collaborate with me. So, um, I would pick Leela Downs, who is one of my favorite singers of all time. Ruben Blades, who is also one of my favorite salseros, and um, Calle Trece, who is one of my favorite hip hop MCs. So I would say those three, Lila Downs, Ruben Blades, and, uh, and uh, Residente, Residente. I love that so much. And that's exactly why I asked that question is I like to have artists 
set their intentions of who they want to work with. And it's always exciting for me on the outside to see when that naturally comes to fruition. So I'm sending all the vibes in the universe for this to happen for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited. I, I know <laughs> it's going to happen. I believe it. I believe in the power of intention. I've seen it. I witnessed yeah. it. I felt it. And it's going to happen. I love it so much. Well, thank you so much for joining, Taina. Where can everybody keep up with you online? Well, um, you can find me at tainasili.com. You can find me at youtube.com slash Taina Sealy, Facebook, Taina Sealy Music, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Taina Sealy. And if you go to Bandcamp, you can get my new album right now, Resiliencia. You can also hear it on iTunes and Spotify and all of those beautiful good places. And um, I'm getting ready to be on tour some more this summer, heading festivals all over the nation. Um, I'm going to be at Carnegie Hall. I'm going to be at... Um, I'm going to be out in San Francisco. I'm going to be in Portland uh, and, and Oregon. I'm going to be all over the Northeast. So uh, follow me. And I hope to be able to connect with all of these listeners soon, either in person or online. So well, thank, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being on. Declaration to be fully alive, fully alive here. This is my reclamation of my ancestral, ancestral wisdom. The earth, it saved it for me. And I plant the
Taina Asili. Thank you so much to Evan Greer for helping connect us and for Taina for opening up about her art and her connections to the community. Please support Resiliencia by purchasing or even connecting to the organizations that Taina is affiliated with, like Soulfire Farm. It's cultivating these voices, sharing these stories, supporting different communities that will really help bring our stories to the forefront of media and ideally our actions that match them too. So that's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. If you like what you hear and have some spare change, feel free to drop a virtual tip at the Anchor Girl Music Coffee page. All cash donated there in the tip jar will go toward helping with expenses for hosting across your favorite podcast apps, a future website, and other projects for the pod. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angergirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work, and let's chat. Until next time, stay angry. And see how you can help share the work of marginalized voices. Take care. Oh